Welcome aboard everybody. It's me filling in for Lenny today. I probably will be doing this on Thursdays just to give Lenny a day off each week. So nothing serious going on. Just uh, let's get right into it. I uh, hope you guys can hear me in the chat room. Let me know. Actually, I could just check myself to see if uh, it's all going. I think I am going. Yep. Okay. Nice to see everybody. Um, see all who's here. Gallo, Daniel, DK Luce, Douglas is here. Donkey Oki, nice to see you. Ed Heckman. Lenny, of course, is here, healthy and in the chat room if you guys want to interact with him. Taco, nice to see you. Hopefully, uh, Mr. Hap will come around today and we'll talk a little bit uh, later about Miguel Sano. But before all that, we're going to do the box scores and the nuggets. And then we're going to talk about some injury updates that I started putting together yesterday. So if you guys can stick around after the box scores, we will talk injury updates on several pitchers. And um, it's all pitchers. So that's what we're doing. So let's start off with the genius of the day. You know Kluber threw a no-hitter last night, and there's actually been one other no-hitter on May 19th in MLB history. So you guys tell me who you think threw the no-hitter on May 19th in MLB history. It actually happened, um, let's see, I'm going to say that it happened since 2000. So between 2000 and now, someone threw a uh, no-hitter on May 19th, tell me who it is. And also another nugget, the rest of the nuggets I just put in with the box scores, but another nugget that I didn't really thought, think could fit in with the box scores is that May home run leaders in the National League. You have Nolan Arenado has hit six home runs in May. Brandon Crawford, six home runs in May. Andrew McCutcheon, six. Yes, Andrew McCutcheon, six home runs in May. Holy moly. And I believe that Otani does, but he's in the American League, so that doesn't matter. Anyway, Otani crazy. This guy is pitching, and then he's going out and playing right field in the same game. I didn't even think that was possible, but it, apparently it is. Babe Ruth did it, so Otani just falling in the footprints. It's awesome. Lenny did not throw it. That is not a good guess. Malpal, I mean, it's a good guess, but Malpal guesses Verlander, and that's not it either. So thanks for participating, you guys. Keep up. Keep guessing. We'll see who. Well, and make sure I tell you before the end who it was. Some he's still pitching, by the way. He's still starter, starting pitcher in baseball. All right, let's get started with the Colorado Rockies at the Padres, and you know, Mr. Tatis just puts on a show. And seriously, though, the call, uh, Padres were doing really pretty darn good, even though they had lost and were you know were missing a bunch of players. I think five players were out with COVID or on the COVID injury list due to contact protocol and stuff like that but Tatis came back yesterday and then also um, Hosmer came back yesterday after missing a week and then Mateo and Profar came back on Monday Will Myers tested positive uh, two days after Tatis and he's expected to return this weekend series against the Mariners but all that being said the Padres have been just excellent anyways, with or without their best players. Musgrove, uh, hold on, let's see. Okay, Padres, winners of six straight. They're sitting on top of the majors with 27 victories. That's super. Uh, and Tatis was only cleared to play in yesterday's game like less than two hours before the start of the game. So that's fun. He went, look, he batted fourth which he did has never batted fourth before yesterday in his career so far. Uh, he went four for four with a home run, a stolen base, a pair of doubles. Unbelievable. The Padres swept the Rockies, beating them three to nothing. They've won eight of nine while missing five players to COVID. And Colorado has the worst record on the road. I mean, we all know they're much better hitters at home, but seriously, their record at home is 13 and 12. And a, with a plus 17 run differential, they score 5.9, basically six runs per game at home. On the road, they're 2-17. and 17. They have a negative 54 run differential, and they only score 2.8 runs per game. They've been shut out seven times on the road. Okay, so Joe Musgrove, let's talk about him. He had 11 strikeouts yesterday, two hits, no walks, seven scoreless innings. 
He totaled double-digit strikeouts for the third time this season. 66 of 93 pitches went for strikes. And he lasted more than five innings for the first time since April 19th. Now he has a 2.47 ERA, a .86 whip, and 70 strikeouts with 11 walks over 51 innings this season. That's the second time, though, that Fernando Tatis came back from the IL and immediately hit a home run. Number two, the twice. He's only been on the IL twice, but both times he's come back. Seriously. He's only played in 27 games this year, but he has 10 home runs and 8 stolen bases. Unbelievable. Jake Cronenworth hit an inside-the-park home run. That was the first at Petco Park since Tony Gwynn Jr. did it 11 years ago. Eric Hosmer, I told you, he came back. And that's it. Profar stole a base yesterday, number 6. And Tatis, I already told you, he stole his 8th base. So, go, go Padres. I love it. Mal Pal, I bet you're happy too. Um, let's see. Kershaw's not it. Matt Harvey's a good guest. Not it. Arietta, not it. Hi, King Hap. We're going to talk about Miguel Sano later on after the box scores. Hope you could stick around. We have a lot to cover uh, today. So San Francisco at C- uh, Cincinnati. San Francisco beat Cincinnati three to nothing. Gaussman got so he. I'm telling you, number one, the pitchers in San Francisco are unbelievable. They're, like, way better than any that they've ever been. Like, these guys have been just turned their careers around, some of these pitchers. But a lot of this has to do with the fact that their defense is unbelievable. Gaussman got out of a couple different jams last night because of the defense. Coming into Wednesday, that's yesterday, the Giants were third in the majors in defensive runs saved with 17 and fourth in UZR with 6.8. They induce a lot of ground balls, okay, more than any other team in baseball. So this is imperative that you have a good defense when you're inducing so many ground balls. Um, it's just absolutely necessary. The um, the Giants were 3-for-9 with runners in scoring position. They left 8 on base. And the Reds were 0-for-5 with runners in scoring position. They left 5 on base. Evan Longoria, he's playing, I mean, not. I, I actually dropped him. Um, as far as hitting, he's definitely cooled off, but he still, he saved Gaussman's ass a couple times yesterday. And it's just amazing how good defensively that he is um, a- at his age. Gaussman, six innings, one hit, eight strikeouts. He's got a 166 ERA. That was his 1,000th strikeout of his career. Okay. He retired the first 10 batters before he walked Nick Castellanos in the fourth inning and Wade Miley, uh, four and two thirds, six hits, one earned run, two strikeouts, three, five, zero ERA. It took him 81 pitches to get through four and two thirds. Unbelievable. Dubon though, between Dubon, Longoria, uh, these guys just, uh, Dubon was excellent yesterday too. Defensively, he hit his fifth double. Slater, Austin Slater stole his seventh base, and Buster Posey had three RBIs. Barnhart got a double, and that's the end of that game. The Reds score, uh, committed one error, three hits. That's it. Miami three, Philly one. So Miami beat the Phillies yesterday. The Phillies pitchers. Okay, the last three Phillies pitchers to earn a win, which you know, the last three wins that have been given out. They threw a total of 19 pitches combined. All three pitchers. That's just goes to show you how these relievers can sneak on in and pitch like one inning and grab the win. Anyways, Rogers, uh, Taylor Rogers entered yesterday with the fifth lowest ERA among qualified starters. He lowered his ERA to 174 and he ranked 11th for National League starters with a 1.3 war. Yesterday, following his outing, Rogers said that he had his best three-pitch mix of the season. Four-seamers, change-up, and a slider. He walked the first batter before he pitched. Um, he actually made it into the... He pitched in the eighth inning. So that was the first time in his career that he's pitched in the eighth inning. He earned his sixth win of the season. He also got his first hit of his career. So that's excellent. Um, in 2020, at Philly... Was It was actually like his worst outing of his career. The last time he was at Philly, um, he gave up nine runs, eight earned over three and uh, three and like a third innings. So, I mean, since then, he's had a 2-3-4 ERA in 12 starts. He says he didn't think about that at all. 
it's kind of, you know, one of those things where you're going back to a place where you just were horrible, but that obviously doesn't matter. Listen to how he ranks in baseball. He's ranked seventh. No, he's the seventh left-hander since 1982 to reach 100 strikeouts in his first 16 career starts. 43 strikeouts on the four-seam fastball this year. That's the most among major league pitcher, pitchers. 76 and two-thirds innings for him to reach 100 career strikeouts. That's the third fewest in Marlins history. 104 strikeouts through his first 16 career starts. In the live ball era, only Herb score. Fernando Valenzuela, Al Downing, and Francisco Liriano have more strikeouts by a lefty in that many starts. Yemi Garcia uh, earned his first career four-out save. And Brian Anderson hit his third home run on his birthday. It was his birthday yesterday. It was his 11th RBI. Gene Segura doubled. That was his sixth double. And McCutcheon, number seven home run, 19th RBI. Not a lot more going on in that game except for, you know, Taylor Rogers. Excellent job. Seven and two-thirds. Zach Eflin actually went six innings, six hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts. He has an ERA of 377 on the season. So, yeah, Yemi Garcia got his eighth save, but it was his first career four-out save. Atlanta beat the Mets 5-4. to four. David Peterson pitched... Two, uh, four and two-thirds, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts, has a 4.97 ERA on the season. He's had a couple of really bad outings, but for the most part, he's not bad. Jonathan Villar, this guy's... I hope that you picked this guy up. I definitely picked him up where I could because he is just on a tear right now. He hit his fourth home run yesterday, and Cameron Maben stole his first base, just in case any of you didn't know that Cameron Maben was signed by the Mets. Charlie Morton uh, had a good outing. He pitched six innings, two hits, allowed one earned run, eight strikeouts, no walks, one home run allowed, delivered his best start of the season, 79 pitches over six innings. He's 37, so, I mean, hello. He, he also provided an RBI single during Atlanta's three-run fifth inning. So the New York Mets scored first, one run in the fourth, and then the Braves scored first three runs in the fifth and then the Mets scored three runs in the seventh and the Atlanta Braves scored one in the eighth and one in the ninth okay so they just could not hold on to their lead the Braves loaded the bases in the sixth then Charlie Morton was lifted in favor of pinch hitter Pablo Sandoval who lined out to third base and there was a couple like really I mean questionable moves that the management made in this game but it doesn't matter because they won, so nobody's talking about it. They had actually 10 hits and only scored five times. And the Mets had four hits and scored all four of those hits. Acuna entered the game batting 173 with five home runs and a 687 OPS over the 22 games that he's played since he missed a couple days in April with a mild abdominal strain. Um, but... That was his, yesterday he hit league leading 13th home run, first career walk-off home run, and he prevented getting swept by the Mets. They were on the road to getting swept until Ronald Acuna saves the day. Riley hit two doubles, Austin Riley, and two hits, two doubles. Caught stealing, number three. Third time caught stealing. Washington beat Chicago Cubbies 4-3. to Max Scherzer, okay, breaking some records here or just, you know, some some uh, milestones here reached for Scherzer. Uh, he entered the game ranked fourth in the National League with 68 strikeouts and fourth with um, 11.92 per nine innings. So he's striking out almost 12 per nine. Uh, it was his fourth of eight, no, his fourth strikeout he had eight total right uh but his fourth strikeout moved him past hall of famer jim bunning into the 19th place on major league baseball's all-time strikeout leaderboard and he has 2856 strikeouts in his career so like i said he did strike out eight but he walked four that's not that great. He only uh, only two of them scored on him. Two earned runs, five hits, a hundred pitches in, to get through five innings. Not very not very efficient, Mister Scherzer. Okay, so he has seventy six strikeouts through his first nine starts this season. 
And he is on pace literally for 270 strikeouts, okay? If he pitched 200 innings, he would have 270 strikeouts. I don't know if he'll be able to reach 200 innings this season. I mean, you know, I think that the durability factor could become an issue. But he, if he does strike out 270, he would move into 18th place with 3,054 strikeouts ahead of Justin Verlander and exactly 100 strikeouts behind Pedro in 13th, which is 3,194. Brad Hand's uh, fifth save, but I would say to keep your eye on Brad Hand because he is, I don't know how long of a leash he's, he has, but I'm telling you, he's had some bad, bad outings, okay? And I think that they like having um, Hudson, Daniel Hudson, pitch more than one inning. So I don't, that's, that again, I don't know how long Brad Hand's leash is, but because they do like Hudson uh, in that mid-relief role pitching, you know, like as the effector, but he's capable of saving out games. So if you're in need of a closer, keep him on your watch list. Arietta threw five innings, seven hits, four earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, one home run allowed. He's got a 4-4-6 ERA. Bryant, Chris Bryant, stole his second base of the season. Javi Baez hit home run number 10 and drove in his 28th run. Ian Happ, I, you know what? Everybody says Ian Happ is going to pull it together and, you know, just hold on with Ian Happ. Go pick him up if he's available. He's had a horrible season, and even Jock Peterson is batting leadoff for the Cubbies. Um, I just feel like I'm not that big of a fan of Ian Happ. I just don't believe it till I see it with him. I know uh, apparently he's got all the tools necessary, but he's just not following through. So according to lots of experts, which I've been hearing like, you know, over the last couple days, it's all about Ian Happ. And so we'll see. I guess if you do have him on your team, don't get too distraught yet because they think he's really on his way to starting to get it together. Jock Peterson, though, like I said, batting leadoff. He went two for four, and his batting average is now up to 260. Douglas, your favorite player, Jock Peterson. And Eric Fetty is fully vaccinated, but he's positive for COVID. So him and Tanner Rainey are now out on the COVID list. Once again, a fully vaccinated player testing positive for COVID. Maybe it's just baseball. I don't really know. Okay, I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, let's talk about Pittsburgh. The another team with great defense, uh, St. Louis. They left eleven runners on base yesterday. Okay, and they still beat the Pirates eight to five. The Pirates left nine runners on base, so there you go. Cahill he came out early. He only pitched one inning. One inning. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what happened. I don't know if many people even have him on their in the roster actives, but it was between him, Dwayne Underwood Jr. and Oviedo because Underwood pitched three innings, Cahill pitched one inning, Oviedo pitched two innings, but Cahill got four earned runs in one inning on only two hits, okay? So where did all these people come from? I guess he walked a couple batters. Anyway, it took him 37 pitches to get out of the first inning, and 18 of them were strikes. He's got a 681 ERA on the season, but Polanco hit number four, home run number four, drove in three. Now he has a grand total of 11 RBIs, which is more than Francisco Lindor on the season, if you can imagine. Jake Flaherty, or Jack Flaherty, um, he improved to 8-0, okay, in his first nine starts of the season. Only Gibson can say that he's done the same in Cardinals history. That was back in 1965. He is 8-0 in his first nine starts. Only seven other pitchers can say the same in the wildcard era. Okay, that's since 1995. Roger Clemens and Chris Sale both did that. But he ranks in the top 20 of nearly every major statistical category in the National League, including ERA, FIP, innings pitched, whip, and opponent batting average. He threw six innings. Two earned runs, four hits, seven strikeouts, 105 pitches, 70 of those were strikes. He's got a 2-5-3 ERA on the season. And Alex Reyes, he pitched one inning, struck out three. It was very good. Um, you know, Flaherty gets almost like over eight runs of support each time he goes out on average. He gets eight runs. The Cardinals score every time this guy goes out. So that's not surprising that he's 8-0. Um, 
But like I said, Alex Reyes, excellent, doing excellent through 15 pitches, three strikeouts, one inning. He has a .39 ERA, and he's earned his 13th save. Goldie hit a double, two RBIs, and Arenado got his 31st RBI. Flaherty got an RBI. That was number three for Flaherty. And Dylan Carlson, 18th RBI. Tommy Edmond, three RBIs up to 11 now on the season. Of course, he's on my bench, right? Because I have to choose my players for Monday through Thursday, and then we change our players Friday through Sunday. And Edmond only had two games this week, so I benched him. Of course, he gets three of his total 11 RBIs on the season in just yesterday's game and he also his other game that he played this uh four day span he was doing excellent too i saw stats for him anyway edmundo sosa stole his first base harrison bader actually stole a base that's his third on the season and um edmund stolen base number eight of course so the dodgers beat the uh diamondbacks four to two let me check the chat room Um, Star Dog, we were going to come see you. Good morning to Zelmo. Hi, Zelmo. Robert C. is here. Morton finally pitched well. Yes, totally finally pitched well. That's good for him. Uh, Mitch Hartson, nice to see you. Big Al on the prowl. Nice to see you too. Matt Hooper's here. It's a full, full, uh, not that full. You could still come around if you're listening. Actually, if you're not here and you're listening, that means you're listening later and you can't still come around because everybody's gone to work. And about their business. But let's talk about Arizona. They've been outscored 16-4 to in losing the first three games of the series between them and the Dodgers. Okay? They've lost their fourth in a row after last night and ninth straight on the road. The Arizona Dodgers, or the Arizona Diamondbacks have lost nine straight on the road. They only got two hits yesterday. Tony, Le, uh, Troy Lavulo was thrown out. Um, they've lost 13 of their last 16 total games. Yoshi Tsutsugo, he was acquired, right? He was acquired by Tampa Bay this past weekend. Um, He scored the first run. He actually hit an opposite field single in the fourth inning that scored the Dodgers' first run. That gave him his first RBIs with the Dodgers since being acquired from Tampa Bay. Um, The... Arizona Diamondbacks came back. They were ahead by one run in the bottom of the seventh. And then, um, the, okay, so the first two Dodgers walked. And then guess who gets up? It's pinch hit Pujols gets up, right, to pinch hit. On an 0-2, he's 0-2. That was his count. He hits a single to load the bases. That was his first pinch hit hit since 2009. It was his 3,255th career hit, tying him with Hall of Famer Eddie Murray for 13th place. And Mookie Betts doubled. He made it 4-2, to and then there was no more scoring throughout the game. Clayton Kershaw pitched six innings, two hits, two earned runs, struck out eight, 83 pitches to get through six innings, 57 of them were strikes, 318 ERA on the season. And Joe Kelly got the win instead of Kershaw. This guy has a 982 ERA. It took him one inning, one strikeout, and he gets the win. That's a ripoff for Kershaw. Kershaw got ripped off. Kenley Jansen got his ninth saved, okay, struck out two in one inning, one four five ERA. It's his 321st save of his career that put him in third for career saves with one team, okay, just with one team and moving him ahead of Den Eckersley from Oakland. So that moved for, okay, 321st save that put him third in career saves with one team. That's one sentence. Jansen also tied Jose Mesa for 20th overall in Major League history. What does that mean? 20th? 200th? I don't know. 20th overall. 20th overall. Maybe that's with one... T- no, because he's been with... He's, I don't know what that means. Maybe I typed it out wrong. But I already told you Betts hit a double to make the score 4-2, but he went one for four with an RBI and a double. Mac Munce, Max Muncy hit a double and stole a base. Matt Peacock pitched five and a third. One earned run on four hits, four strikeouts, 85 uh, pitches 
491. That was only his second major league start. So he actually retired the first 10. And then um, I'm not sure if it was him. But someone, I think it was him who was running to first base inside the batting line. And that's when Lavulo got kicked out of the game because he was arguing with the umpire who called him out when he got hit by um, a throw. They were trying to throw him out and he got hit by the, the throw. Anyway, Eduardo Escobar is having a great season. That's on a lighter note for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He went one for four with his 10th home run. He's got also drove in two for RBI number 30 on the season. That's pretty darn good. Nick Ahmed got a double, number six. Peralta got caught stealing. Rojas, okay, look, Rojas is great offensively, but is he any good for errors? I don't think so. He just committed his fourth error yesterday, and Paven Smith committed an error, number one. Kettle Marte, yes, he's been activated. Whoop-de-doo. He pinch-hitted in the eighth, so if you have Kettle Marte, it's time to activate him. That's a very exciting, Okay. I own him. Obviously, I do because I wouldn't be this excited otherwise. Um, Madison Bumgarner is going to throw a bullpen today. And Lavulo says that he feels fantastic. So that's a good sign for Bumgarner. Tonight, the Dodgers are going to have a bullpen game, meaning that they don't have a starting pitcher scheduled tonight. Who would have thunk this, right? That they would even need to have a bullpen game. But they're going up against Merrill Kelly. So this will be the last game of the series. Wait, yeah. Milwaukee, Kansas City. Kansas City beat uh, Milwaukee 6-4. to four. Scott Barlow got the win yesterday with just two-thirds of an inning, two strikeouts, and one walk. Royals swept the Brewers in a two-game series. That was the first series win over Milwaukee since 2015. Um... Like I said, Barlow got the win, got the final two outs of the seventh inning. Greg Holland worked the eighth, and Stallmount... He gave up a run in the ninth before he struck out Omar Narvez with two runners on to earn his fifth save. So that's good. But he always has to get, he always has to allow runners on base. He can't just get it done cleanly. Burns, okay, Corbin Burns, 92 pitches to make it through six innings. He walked his second batter of the season. That's too bad. But he also struck out nine, okay? He joined Shane Bieber with at least nine strikeouts in each of his first seven starts unbelievable and it's you know it kind of once he gave up once he walked the first batter the whole thing was done with the walks but it's still kind of disappointing I mean he's he's just done a great job at keeping the runners off the base paths Pedro Martinez has the major league record with at least nine strikeouts in his first nine starts for Boston in 1999 so these two guys Burns and Bieber have both struck out at least nine in each of their first seven, so they have two more to go to tie with Pedro, your daddy. Outfielder Christian Yelich played his second game at designated hitter. After returning from his injury woes, he was 0 for 2, with, but he did walk three times, okay? So that's okay. Uh, Brewers, they gave the shortstop Luis Urias a break uh, after making four errors in the past two games. Both of the teams get today off. So Jackie Bradley Jr. hit his fourth homer. Uh, Colton Wong got a double, his ninth double, and he stole a base. He's only stolen three bases so far this season. That is so disappointing for him so far. Um, Let's see what else we have. Jackie Bradley Jr. drove in two. Narvis uh, RBI and Wong he drove in one he's only has six he's having not a good season that's for sure Michael Taylor hit his fourth home run Jorge Soler hit his fourth home run it feels like Soler has more home runs than that but I guess not and he's driven in 24 now and Michael Taylor drove in two for number 13 on the season and Gerard Dyson got a stolen base number three and Nicky Lopez has been stealing bases lately if you need some cheap speed you might grab him uh, Tampa Bay beat Baltimore nine to seven. John Means went six and a third, six hits, four earned runs, six strikeouts. Took him ninety three pitches. Sixty three of those pitches were strikes, and he still has an ERA of one seventy. Okay, but Mancini, what a great story for Mancini. This guy, okay, bottom of the first, Mancini hits home run number one. Okay, then Freddie Galvis comes up to bat, hits 
the hundredth home run of his career in the bottom of the second. And then Mancini hits a three RBI double to put Baltimore up five to nothing entering the third inning, right? That's a pretty safe lead, right? Brasso comes in, hits his fourth home run against John Means in his career. His fourth of the season, too, by the way. But his fourth of just off of John Means. So whenever he goes up against John Means, it's time to put Brasso into your DFS lineup. Okay, so this is in the fifth inning where Brasso hits his fourth home run off of John Means in his career. And then Rosarina comes up and hits home run number five on the season back-to-back. Now, they score three runs in that inning. This is um, Tampa Bay scoring three runs in the inning. And then, in the bottom of the fifth, Mancini comes up and hits another homer. He ended the game with two home runs and five RBIs. And I just love it. Okay? I love it. But the Rays tied the game in the top of the seventh, 6-6. to And then a Rosarina hits another home run. He finished the night with two home runs, a double, and four RBIs. And Tampa Bay scored three runs in the eighth. So they ended up beating Baltimore 9-7. to Baltimore tried to come back in the ninth. They scored one run, but they just didn't get, get it done. And Fairbanks, you know, Fairbanks just recently came back from injury. And I was really thinking that he would be used mostly for multiple innings, mid-relief guy, setup guy, whatever. And he got his first save yesterday, so I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him. They put um, Diego Castillo in. So they put in Ryan Thompson in in the seventh. He pitched one inning. And then Diego Castillo came in to get the hold um, in the eighth. And then Fairbanks came in in the ninth. So this is not like an extra inning game or anything. And Ryan Yarbrough pitched six innings, but he did not get the win. Ryan Thompson got the win, or Ryan Thompson got the win. Um, so Yarbrough gave up eight or seven hits, three earned runs, and struck out two. So John Means, we already said that he still has a 170 ERA and a .75 WHIP on the season. He's expected to make his next start against the Twins on the road next week. And Cedric Mullins, through his first 40 games this season, Mullins had a 312 um, batting average with a 374 on base percentage with six home runs, 12 doubles, 12 RBIs, 22 runs, and five stolen bases. 40.9% hard hit rate. That was an improvement of more than nine percentage points from 2020 and nearly 24 percentage points from 2019. So Kiermaier hit a double. Uh, G-Man Choi, two RBIs. And I told you that Brasso, like Brasso, okay, uh, home run number four, he drove in two. Now he has 11 on the season. And so Galvis, Mancini hit home runs. We already did that. Okay, Austin Hayes, triple. Wait, who's this Hayes? Yeah, Austin Hayes. It has to be Austin Hayes, right? Boston beat Toronto 7-3. Now, if Toronto would have won this game yesterday, they would have been taking the lead in the American League East. They did not win the game yesterday. Boston is 13-6 on the road. They have out-homered opponents 57-32, to and Toronto lost for the second time in eight games. Um, Garrett Richards pitched six and two-thirds. He's great for innings, okay? He's great for innings. I do not trust him at all for walks. He walks batters like crazy. But still, if he can keep continuing to pitch six innings per start and strike out five every time, then his four walks yesterday aren't that big of a deal, right? Especially if they don't score because he only earned two runs. The first four batters reached base on Garrett Richards, but Toronto only scored once. And Garrett Richards won his fourth straight decision. Ross Stripling, of course, did not do so hot. Sixth start of the season, coming off a nine-strikeout start. He only made it through three and two-thirds with eight hits, six earned runs, three strikeouts. Boston scored five runs in the first inning. Verdugo hit a home run. J.D. Martinez hit his first home run in 12 games. Look, Verdugo, sixth home run, two RBIs. J.D. Martinez, first home run in 12 games for number 11 on the season. He has 34 RBIs. Kiki Hernandez hit his fifth home run. uh, And he got a double. And he 
got an RBI. That only gives him 11. He's been out hurt for a little bit. And then Christian Vasquez, he hit home run number three with two RBIs. And Franchi Cordero hit his uh, sixth double. And Bobby Dalbeck hit his eighth double with an RBI, putting him at 18 on the season. So all of this hitting going on. 13 hits for Boston on the night. Simeon hit his 10th home run, 8th double, 2 RBIs, putting him at 26 on the season. He's having a good season. I mean, his season is much better than you could say about Lourdes Gurriel. Obviously, much better than you could say about George Springer, who hasn't even played. Okay. So anyway, Vladdy hit a double. That was his ninth, And he drove in his 31st RBI on the season. Bo Bichette hit a double. That's number 10 for him. Eduardo Rodriguez was running the bases because they are going to go... Uh, to Philly this weekend, he and Eduardo Rodriguez will have to hit, okay? He's 0 for 20 at the plate, including 10 strikeouts, 3 sacrifice bunts, and 1 run scored. But I will bring up Alec Manoa, who we talked about on the roundtable on Monday night. Um, he is a Toronto Blue Jays prospect, pitching prospect. He is He was taken 11th in the 2019 draft. But he allowed one run and struck out 10 yesterday for AAA Buffalo. And his ERA through three starts this season is .50. So we expect a call for him in the near future. Um, Nick Pavetta will go up against Steven Matz in the series finale tonight. Yes, I had Mr. Kluber on my DFS team yesterday, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that I won money. Um, I've won now two days in a row in DFS. I don't play that much money, so I don't win that much money, but still, it's really fun when you wake up and you see that you have more money than you ended the night with. And that's obviously all about Corey Kluber, who... All right, let me tell you what. This is the sixth no-hitter of the season in baseball. Um, it's the fourth, listen to this is even more. It's the fourth no hitter in the last 15 days in MLB. Okay. Unbelievable. I don't know the first name of the Texas starting pitcher, but his last name is Yang and he made it through five and a third, two earned runs, struck out two and walked four. He allowed the leadoff batter to reach in the first four innings, but didn't score until the sixth. The most, okay. That's the most most no-hitters this early in the season in MLB history and the first on back-to-back games since 1969. It was the 12th no-hitter in Yankees history, the 11th in the regular season, and the first since 1999. Um, it was New York's first no-hitter on the road since Allie Reynolds at Cleveland on July 12, 1951. It was the fifth no-hitter against the Rangers, the second on the season. Uh, They were no-hit by Joe Musgrove um, on April 9th when he threw the first no-hitter in Padres history. And the four no-hitters in May are the most in a month since June 1990. And it's also the first time that three teams have been no-hit twice in one season with the Rangers joining the Indians and the Mariners. The most no-hitters in one full season was in 1884. It was eight. So we have two more to go to tie that record and three more to go to beat that record, which I don't see any problem with that happening. But I have to say, like, Corey Kluber made comments. Let me tell you what Corey Kluber said. He said, in quotes, It's not good. I'll tell you that. I think whatever the intention was with the new ball or whatever it may be, it really hasn't done anything. There might be less home runs, which I guess they want, but I don't know the stats on all that. I do know that strikeouts are the same. I think I saw some stats for April that it was the worst hitting month in the history of something. No hitters are cool. I have all the respect in the world for Corey Kluber and Bum and all those guys that have thrown no hitters, but to have one happen every night, it seems like it's probably not good for the game. Fans want to see some hits. I get that and some action and not many people striking out. I appreciate the attempt that MLB has tried to do, but I think it seems like they missed the mark so far. We'll see. I don't know. You know, he's so he's just a nice guy, and he's you know he's really trying hard to. Obviously, he's really trying hard not to be rude to MLB. And when Clayton Kershaw says something like that, you know that he 
is really just like, what the hell is going on? Obviously, MLB is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is maybe they should consider a way. Like Lenny brought up last week. I don't know if he talked about it this week on the show. But there was an article talking about ways to keep batters from getting hit so much. Batters are getting hit so much. In fact, there is another quote from a guy who um, we'll talk about in a minute when I come across his quote. But he talks about, you know, there has to be something done. There has to be maybe perhaps they need mouthpieces, um, mandatory mouthpieces in baseball. <sighs> More mandatory shit. I'm not a fan. Okay, but we'll see. Um, okay. Now, no hitters have been more common than three home run games this season. No hitters six, three home run games, four. Crazy, right? So, anyway, Kluber almost threw a perfect game if it weren't for one four-pitch walk in the third inning. He struck out nine. He only needed 101 pitches to get through all nine innings. That tied for the third fewest pitches in a completed no-hitter since 2015. If you go back to 2008, it's tied for the fifth fewest pitches. Um, his fastest pitch was actually at 92 and a half miles an hour. He had 31. He threw 31 curveballs, 27 cutters, 23 sinkers, 18 changeups, and two four-seam fastballs. Glaber Torres, uh, in his first game back since returning from the COVID injured list, he stole his third base. DJ LeMahieu drove in his 14th RBI or his 14th run. Okay, Clint Frazier, he's got neck, neck issues. He was out of the lineup for the second game in a row. Gary Sanchez left Tuesday night's game with cramping in his left hamstring, but he was available to play. Aaron Boone said that he already planned on having him sit out this game because. Uh, today is a day game, I believe, and he didn't. He doesn't like to play him in a night game right before the next day. Day a day game, so I think the Yankees play a day game today. The Yankees are six and three going into the finale of their trip. Domingo Herman uh, will pitch for New York against Dane Dunning, who has a horrible time in the first inning. So imagine lots of runs being scored early in this game. It will be the ninth start for this guy, though. Okay, nine start is the most among any American League rookie this season. So he's accomplished that feat. Now, F those clowns in Georgia. Wait. Oh, you're kidding me. I'm not even going there. Okay, I'm not even going there. But that's... Holy moly. Um... Cleveland beat the Angels 3-2. to two. Angels have lost 6 of 8. They're 0-2 since losing Mike Trout. Um, he's not going to be out for at least 6 weeks. Now, um, they were talking about this on the Athletic Podcast because in Tout Wars, um, you know, you can uh, receive fab money if you have a player that is out um, or out for the season or has not pl really played like one of my players, Nick Anderson. I'm going to probably trade him in. And you get back five times what you paid for him in the auction. So, like, if I spent... And he, this guy, I, I don't know exactly who it was. It was, like, either Michael Beller or Nando or one of these guys on the Athletic Podcast. He said that he spent, like, $51 on Mike Trout. And he actually has been very tempted to give Trout back for the $51 times five, which is... Holy moly, it's like three, $250 or $260 that he would get back in fab money for trading in Mike Trout. But I don't know how that works because I was always under the impression that the player had to be like out for the season or um, had to miss at least a certain number of games. But anyway, he's going to be out for at least six weeks and probably more. I don't know. Trout's amazing, so maybe he'll go quickly. But... Um, the Angels have been horrible since uh, they lost him, really. They have they are 0-2 since losing Mike Trout. And Otani, though, okay, what a highlight of the game. He, this guy is crazy. He pitched five inning, or five hit ball into the fifth inning with five strikeouts, and then he went and played right field for one and the third innings and had three at-bats, went one for three with a bunt single and got caught stealing. But how fun is that, right? Too bad you can't, like, in fantasy... I mean, I'm assuming that you only can put him in as a pitcher when he pitches. And then, of course, even though he goes out and gets hits, you still can't get those um, 
those points for that game. But, you know, it's he seems to be on track to pitch a good number of outings this year, a good number of games started, a good number of home runs hitting, a great, I mean, Otani is having the year that everybody wanted him to have a couple years ago, which is just another example of how you have to be patient with these guys, especially when they come from a foreign place, they don't speak the language, and they're just not used, you know, they, they just need a little bit of time to, there's so much pressure, you know, on them to come over and be perfect, just like these youngsters that come up as prospects. It just takes them a little while. Look at Vladdy, too, is another one. Just remember that nine times out of ten, these players are not Fernando Tatis right off the bat. They're just not. Savale, four hits and eight strikeouts in seven innings. He's having a good season, okay? 114 pitches in seven innings, so not that efficient, but still. James, he's 6-1 and one now. He got the win yesterday. Now he's 6-1. and one. Karen Check pitched the ninth for his fifth save, and Cleveland did not allow an Angels runner past first base in the final five innings. That's pretty good. Jared Walsh hit his eighth home run. Jose Iglesias had an RBI double. Jake Bowers, home run. Fran Mill got an RBI double in the first and a double in the fourth. And the Twins play a doubleheader in L.A. today. Uh, um, Alex Cobb is coming off the I.L., so he will be activated to pitch the first game, and then Griffin Canning will pitch the second for the Angels. Um, <clears throat> yeah, foreign or domestic. That's very true, foreign or domestic. Woke does equal broke, I will say. And the people that are losing the most from the MLB going woke are not the people that made the the voting laws so if you have a problem with that why are you taking it out on the people of Atlanta who are losing out on millions and millions of dollars and I just believe it was a horrible decision so you know just remember it'll come after you one day if you get happy that people get canceled it will get turned on you sooner or later that's without question Houston beat Oakland 8-1. to Oakland was coming off their MLB-leading fifth walk-off win. Okay, on Tuesday they got it. Houston won seven of the last eight games. The Astros pulled back within a half of a game of the defending American League West champion A's, Oakland A's, in the division. Last led the AL West on April 8th, the Houston Astros. So they're going back and forth. I mean, you know, Houston is a pretty good team this year for sure. Grinky pitched eight innings. We love it. He struck out eight. One earned run. Did not walk anybody. Four hits. He won back-to-back starts for the first time this season. And Altuve comes out, just starts the game off with a very first pitch leadoff home run. That was his second on the season to hit a lead. Second time this season that he hit a leadoff homer. Um, he's second in the league with a 346 batting average, and he's still getting booed every chance that they can at Oakland. I love it when the fans boo them. I just do. I, I think that, you know, I'll be, it'll go away soon, but they still deserve it. They didn't get it last year, so I'm just saying they're getting punished. Only certain ballparks are really doing it, though, you guys. It's not happening all over the country either. So it's like Oakland and the Yankees, it seems to be, like the first teams that come to my mind that are just – booing the crap out of the angel or the astros but it's not helping it's not helping they're still losing <laughs> to the astros yuli guriel is like a fantasy dream this year okay i told you guys to pick him up a long time ago he um he scored a, he had a, he hit a two out a two run double he had no he had two two run doubles so he had two doubles four hits four rbis Michael Brantley got a, had an RBI single. Frankie Matas, three, um, he had his three-start winning streak snapped. He allowed two runs and seven hits over five innings, struck out six and walked two. Sean Murphy had an RBI double in the second, but then he exited early after he got hit by a couple of foul balls behind the plate. Mm. We'll see what happens with Sean Murphy. Astros right-handed pitching prospect Tyler Ivey has been called up to make his major league debut tomorrow against Texas. And I, this is so funny. I, I had to put this in because I can't even imagine. Every single day, every single time, Lenny and I only do a show on Sirius one time a week. But we always, um, we try to every game talk about like the current injury updates with certain players, whatever. Um, AJ Puck, this guy, every single time, every Sunday, AJ Puck is out throwing some kind of bullpen or sim game or whatever so 
this guy every time and he never comes back he never gets better he has a strained left biceps he's set to pitch an inning with triple a las vegas on thursday what does that mean so he's finally made it to triple a at least now where he's on a rehab but this is not even an exaggeration when i tell you that aj puck has been throwing an inning or two every time i look since the beginning of the season maybe even into last season I'm not sure but here's a guy that is always on his way back and I'll believe it when I see it uh you know lefty Luzardo he's got a hairline fracture on his pinky he's going to throw with the A's he's likely to need a couple innings with Las Vegas before returning also but I have a better feeling about him coming back than I do AJ Puck that's for sure okay Cole Irvin He's going to take the mound for Oakland in the finale today. He's looking for his first victory against the Houston Astros. He went 0 and, He's 0-2 against the Astros with a 7-4-5 ERA in two previous matchups, I would say. And those are both this season, by the way. So I'm definitely taking Luis Garcia over Cole Irvin. Even though I like Cole Irvin a little bit, he's got a 3-0-2 ERA on the season. He is horrible against the Astros. Do try to put in then the other very affordable pitcher today, which would be Luis Garcia. Um, he is trying to win consecutive outings for the first time in his career, but he's actually strikes out a good number of batters. It's one and three, but his ERA is three thirty-four. And I don't I just have much more faith that he will come out the winner of this game than Cole Irvin. I like both pitchers though, so and you know, they're very affordable at this time. And they're very capable of both having a blow up. So just uh don't you know, mark my words on this. Anyways, Detroit beat Seattle six to two. Detroit set, swept Seattle. They've won four out of their last five and eight out of their last ten. And the Mariners, they had nine hits against the Tigers pitchers in the three game series with twenty nine strikeouts. He struck out twenty nine times. Okay, in three games, and they've only hit the ball nine times. So anyway, Logan Gilbert pitched. A 1-2-3 first inning for his second major league start. And then he completely fell apart in the second inning. Um, I mean, he made it two and two-thirds with three earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. But Tariq Skubal, another guy, just a youngster, you know, two young pitchers trying to make their way in life. Skubal walked Kyle Lewis and gave up a two-run homer in the first, okay, to Kyle Seeger. But he struck out a career-high nine, so he pulled it together. He earned his first win of the season. He's 1-6 and six, um, after this game. Four hits over five innings pitched. And again, uh, career-high nine strikeouts. So, hey, you know, if he was going to do it in any game, it was probably going to be about the, the, the horrible Seattle Mariners right now. Um, Wilson Ramos, Nomar Mazzara, Eric Hasse drove in runs and... So Willie Castro left the game with the left elbow bruise. He was hit by a pitch in the third inning. AJ Hinch says his status is day-to-day, and he'll get at least two days of rest. The Tigers are off today, so um, Hinch said that he's unlikely to play Friday, tomorrow, due to the matchup. But Dylan Moore was put on the 10-day injured list for Seattle with a strained calf. Um, They are hoping that it's not too serious. Uh, The calf has been bothering him for a couple days, so... They were just concerned about the fact that it wasn't really, like, clearing up as quickly as they hoped it would. Your mean Mercedes, okay, you know, he had a 3-0, he swung on a pitch, a 3-0 count on Monday night. And then on Tuesday night, the White Sox couldn't hold on to a two-run lead in the eighth inning. That all went out the window because they made up for it yesterday. Lucas Dialito, Mr. Eight Innings Pitched, um... Two hits, one run, three walks, and 11 strikeouts. He really had a great outing, 111 pitches in eight innings. The only Twins starter to hit, to get a hit, was Nellie Cruz. Nellie Cruz singled and homered off of uh, Giolito, but seriously, his past five outings, Giolito... He has had a seven, a, his ERA has been 675 in the last five outings, entering last night. He had no quality starts and 24 strikeouts in 24 innings. But, okay, do consider that seven of those earned runs in the past five outings, seven of them came in one inning against Boston on April 19th, so it kind of skews things. I mean, if you threw out that one outing, 
he would have been a lot better than a 6.75 ERA. Anyway, Liam Hendricks, nine pitches, ninth inning. He earned the save. The White Sox have won five of their six head-to-head matchups against the Twins. They're the Twins are 14 and 27 this season. That's one reason, Mr. Happ, that I would say you can throw, you can get rid of Sano. Literally, he hit three home runs the other night, and he doubled his home runs for the season. And I just feel like, I mean, the team, if if the Twins were actually any good, I would say to keep Sano. That's what it comes down to for me. It's really mostly about the fact that the Twins are so bad that they're not going to help him in any way get RBIs or anything else. Um, it's like the team goes, so goes the player. But for Sano, it really teeters on that. And also the fact that he's injured half the time. But obviously, he's capable of hitting so many home runs. Like, if he could just stay healthy, he would hit like 45 or 50 home runs. He's that powerful. But he can't stay healthy, healthy and he hasn't stayed healthy. And the Twins are sucky. That's my input on Sano. Um I would just say that you could probably rotate that spot and pick up players as they're hot. I mean, I just, there's there's always somebody to pick up at third base. There's just always somebody to pick up, unlike second base, which was so deep going into the season, but there's so many bad second basemen. It's really quite startling, to be honest with you. Um, so the White Sox, okay, they are 26 and 16. They have 13 consecutive games against the Royals and the Twins. They just finished 13 consecutive games against the Royals and the Twins, and they are 10-3 and in those last 13. Um, they've also not lost back-to-back games since April 15th through 17th, when the 16th was actually rained out, and they've not lost more than two in a row on the season. So that's the games. That's the box score. I wanted to give you guys an update on some pitchers' injuries and I don't think I'll be able to get it done in three minutes, but I'll be close. I'll actually, I'm doing better than I thought I would. Um, Taiwan Walker does not have structural damage. They did an MRI on him, and he is seems to be okay. So for any of you out there that listened to me and picked him up, I'm glad to say that it's probably not that serious yet. But yesterday we talked about Zach Gallon, and Stardock said, you know, what is this forearm flexor strand? I started to look it up. I kind of got a little hooked on, like, what is this? Well, what I found out is that it's usually, I mean, this is not a guarantee, but I did read, The Athletic does a an injury, like, article. There's a person that specializes in injuries, you know, so they must have some kind of more uh, credentials than I do when we're talking about injuries. Obviously, anybody probably does, but, you know, I'm still capable of going to seeking out information. Uh, the guys on the podcast at The Athletics said that they were not that concerned about Duffy, but I am concerned about Duffy, and I do believe that it is not as easy and as simple as just a one, uh, you know, 10-day stint on the DL. It's going to be worse. It better be worse than that because if it's not, it's going to lead up to Tommy John. They say that this grade one is good, that it's, anytime you hear grade one, that's a positive. That means it's the lowest grade of strain. With the forearm flexor strain, it's often a precursor to UCL damage, which you know what that means, Tommy John surgery. Now, Duffy already had Tommy John surgery on the same elbow back in 2012. Uh, that he was, you know, he was happy that his diagnosis didn't involve damage to the UCL. But this is the thing. The UCL is protected by the forearm flexor. It's The forearm flexor is a group of muscles near the elbow that are important for protecting the ulnar collateral ligament. So if they're damaged, then the UCL is absolutely vulnerable to tearing. And obviously the grade one strain makes it, le- it's pretty mild, but Duffy, um, I just think that he needs at least, they, they say at The Athletic that he needs, this is not on the podcast, the podcast guys say that it's only going to require a minimum stint on the IL, but the article for the injury updates, the injury professional says that he's going to need at least two to three weeks before even picking up a baseball. So we'll see what happens there. I would tend to trust the guy with the credentials over the podcast fantasy experts such as myself or whatever. Zach Gallen. Okay, I'm writing off Zach Gallen. Unfortunately, okay, I have to say this to you guys. He's got the same, he's got a problem. He, all right, 
Back in March, he underwent extensive imaging on his elbow. Remember when he first started the season on the injured list? Um, he had forearm soreness after he was hitting in the cages. Stupid batting cages. But the MRIs back then and all this extensive imaging on his elbow did not show any kind of uh, problems with his UCL. It Like, the MRI showed that it was completely healthy. It was just... Uh, whatever it was, soreness, blood. It was probably a freaking, it was probably a forearm flexor problem, right? Anyway, we, I don't know that for sure, but now he's been diagnosed with a small tear of his UCL, which occurred over the past two months because, like I said, the extensive testing and imaging that we did heading into the season did not show any tears. Now it does. Look, I mean, I can say that the only pitcher that I've ever seen in my history of looking at baseball that has had a partial tear to their UCL that did not end up in Tommy John surgery is Tanaka. Tanaka did that. I did not, I was very surprised that he had done it at that time. It was the only pitcher that I've ever seen do that. And I highly doubt that Gallon is going to be added to the list. So... Sorry to tell you this bad news, but at least if you have Luis Castillo, he's striking out batters, okay? Even if he's walking. I'm just teasing. But anyways, these UCL injuries are often wear and tear injuries. It starts with little micro tears to the ligament that eventually just get worse and worse. And when it turns into a larger tear, that's when Tommy John's surgery is needed. So if you catch it early enough, there are treatments that can lead to healing of the ligament. But... He is not going to be picking up a baseball for the next four weeks, at least. They say that there's a 50-50 chance that Gallon can return to baseball in the next couple months. So, I honestly, I'm just going to, honestly, I don't believe that he will. I, I say just go and get your dang Tommy John surgery out of the way so you can be healthy. The sooner, the better. Speaking of Tommy John surgery, Noah Syndergaard has been cleared to begin a rehab assignment to, uh, yesterday, he was, and he could join the Mets rotation in mid-June. Now, if he returns, okay, in mid-June, like they think he will, that's 80 to 90 innings, and he strikes out a batter per inning, and, you know, he could be really helpful to um, anybody's team for the second half of the season, and I don't know, you know, it depends on your league, and everybody's league is different, the situation, but I'm sure that he's available in many leagues, and I don't know when the best time to go grab him, but today is the 20th of May. I would say that he, he's, if he continues to be on track, which you definitely would probably want to grab him, stash him on your bench before, obviously, before he starts making his way back, because once he starts pitching, he's going to be in the news all the time. It's going to be like, oh, you know, Thor did this, uh, Syndergaard did this, whatever. I would absolutely pick him up uh, if you can and stash him. I mean, I would throw Miguel Sano away for him. There's no question. And he is coming back mid-June, so if he stays on track. Now, another pitcher is Strasburg, who uh, is going to... I think that he threw 55 pitches or he's going to throw 55 pitches on Tuesday. It was either this past Tuesday. No, he's going to this coming Tuesday. He threw 75 pitches in a rehab start for AAA Rochester on Sunday. Okay. And then he threw 55 pitches on Tuesday. So this has already happened. Um, I really think that he could be able to come back tomorrow against the Orioles. Um, they they say that he felt good, and I really hope that this is true because, you know, Eric Fetty is now on the COVID IL, and they could really use Strasburg at this time. So if you have Strasburg and you can activate him before tomorrow, you might want to do that because he really could. It's either tomorrow. Yeah, it's got to be tomorrow. It can't be next Friday. No, they wouldn't even be talking about it yet. I really do believe that he's coming back tomorrow, hopefully. And what the hell, if you have them, throw them in your active lineup. Do not even wait. I know people like to wait when pitchers come off the aisle. I say never do that because it's okay if he fails. It's so much worse if he's sitting on your bench and he comes back and has an excellent outing. Another one more pitcher on the list, Framber Valdez. Um, you know, he is scheduled to come back soon. He's actually, like, coming back quicker than we thought from his um, 
injury, his pinky or finger problem, whatever. he uh, We thought he was going to be out for the season, but that's no longer the case, and he is getting very close to coming back. So what do you expect from him? He's expected to return on the 3rd of June. He um, is going to make another rehab start for AAA this Saturday, and he is going to have, like, I think that he's probably going to have a couple more rehab starts, but then he's going to be back. So I would say early June, like within the next 10 days, he should be back. What can you expect when he comes back? I would say you could probably expect a strikeout per inning, an ERA, you know, like mid three ERA from this guy. And you could, you know, he's coming back. I don't know how many innings they're going to give him. I would say about 70 innings, maybe 70 innings. You know, I mean, he pitched in 2020, he pitched 70 innings in 11 starts. And in 2019, he pitched uh, about 110 innings total. So obviously, they're not going to let him go over that. But he doesn't have time to go over that anyways. I think that he's less of a pitcher than Syndergaard. Obviously, if you have a choice, you should take Syndergaard. But definitely another pitcher that can help you out going down the stretch. And, you know, be paying attention because, like I said, Alec Manoa is going to come up for the Toronto Blue Jays. Of course, you're talking to me, and I will never, ever choose a prospect over an experienced pitcher if I have a choice. But I know everybody likes these youngsters coming up, so do pay attention. In the next couple weeks, we're going to see a lot of youngsters. That's it for the day, you guys. 10.07. Yes, I did tell you to get Lamet, And... I don't regret it. I would tell you to get Lamette every day again. For I would do it again, no doubt about it, because Lamette obviously didn't pan out, but you didn't lose much by getting him. And, you know, if he would have worked out, he's a great pitcher. He's injured. I can't help that. I can't tell you that. But, you know, I understand if you don't believe me anymore, Matt Hooper. I understand. I've told some people some pretty bad advice along the way, but... Some of my advice has been great, like pick up Yuli Gurriel and uh, Taiwan Walker, and I've had a couple good ones, okay? So credit for good things, too. Anyway, have a great day, everybody. Hope uh, the sun is out and it's enjoyable for you all. We'll see you. Lenny will be back tomorrow.